It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello everyone, welcome to the Hive Sports Podcast covering Real Salt Lake this week. I am Ethan Kershaw, alongside Alex Maurer, here to bring you the lowdown on all things Real Salt Lake this week. And boy, do we have a lot of things to talk about for this week. Yeah, we were a little worried that we would have a slow, slow podcast this week. A little, another peek behind the curtain. We're recording this before the game against Vancouver, because, you know, we drop on Sundays. And uh, looking forward at the beginning of the week, we were worried that Perhaps there wouldn't be a lot to talk about, but boy, how things change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about here an an all-star game recap that we've got. We're going to add some other pieces of uh, news and notes throughout and then get to the part of the podcast, which I'm sure all of you came here to listen to. It's going to be the Monarch Minute. Uh, yeah <laughs> the monarch minute exactly yep, yep. exactly that's our that's our best seller but um no the 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 conversation about uh, uh freddy juarez out and uh and pablo mastrani in but before we jump on into that let's let's get to that best seller how about that that monarch minute yes uh back at it again you can start your timers at home uh real monarchs fall 2-0 at indy 11 if you weren't watching this game it looked like they were playing on a high school football stadium uh field so that's just interesting. Little USL, little USL action for the night. Uh, but the big news is Blake Kelly, goalkeeper, 15 years old, got his first start for the team, and he becomes the youngest goalkeeper in USL championship history. That is, if you're keeping track at home, the third youngest goalkeeper in USL history RSL has played this season. That is like a wild stat. But uh, we've got Blake Kelly, Gavin Beavers, and Jeffrey Duznip, who were all the youngest at their respective time that they played. Um, other than that, we lost 2-0. Really wasn't all that of an exciting game. Both goals came from Manuel Ortega. Uh, and if you are curious as to why we were playing Blake Kelly in the back, that is because Jeffrey Dusnip is rumored uh, from Landon Southwick on Twitter to be on the bench for RSL against Vancouver. So that could be pretty exciting. I think David Ochoa has been out for quite a while now, and to see some young blood on the bench is an exciting thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, David Ochoa going to be out this week against Vancouver um, looking like it may be possible for him to return um, the next week uh, but we're still waiting on a report from him haven't had too much time to be able to talk to uh, to Freddie throughout this week and uh, well you know now Pablo uh, not not a lot of news coming out from the, uh, the head coach this week but it will be interesting to see um, RSL goalkeeper obviously probably going to be starting Andrew Putna and then Dusanip going to start on the bench. So that will be really interesting to see. And then, like you talked about Blake Kelly, I just want to give him a congrats because at 15 years old, I was trying to get my driver's license. And um, <laughs> this guy's playing in a USL match, so good for yeah. him. It's a little ridiculous how deep the Monarchs have been at goalkeeper this year. And just, you know, for the general future to have three guys under the age of 18 starting minutes in the USL. This is what we want to see from the Monarchs. You know, in this game, we also had another debut of a, uh, Academy players, Seth Powder, he made his professional debut at halftime. And it's just so nice to see these guys finally getting minutes. I think we wasted a lot of Monarchs years on, you know, the James Mobergs of the world, guys like that. Luke Mulholland played a ton of minutes in their championship run when, you know, we had Richie Ledesma, uh, other guys like that. So I think it's nice to finally see this team treated more like a U23 team, U21 team than it's been in the past. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was a rough game uh, today here recording this on a Saturday night. Uh, it was a little bit of a rough game for the Monarchs in this one. Um, but there, he did have a couple of chances. Um, remember in the first half, there was a shot they had on goal. It, was, well, it wasn't on goal. It was off goal, but really should have been. It was right in front of the goal, crossed right into the, the center. The, I, I'm not sure. Who, I can't remember who it was, but right in front of goal. Should have finished the opportunity, but uh, didn't quite get in. Yeah, disappointing 2-0 loss uh, this week. Yeah, but it, it's okay. You know, I think we've – somebody asked on – I can't remember who it was – asked on one of the socials if we could include uh, Freddie Juarez's Monarch's time with his overall head coaching record and judge him off of that. And I just yeah. think that's wholly unfair because this is a developmental team. Like, wins and losses really don't matter all that much. So yeah. I would much rather lose with guys, you know, under 20 getting minutes than win with guys 25-plus. Uh, yeah. But that, 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 covers our, that covers our Monarch minute. I think we, we strayed a little bit from our 60 seconds, but that's okay. <laughs> there was a lot. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Um, let's go ahead and jump into another piece of news as well. It's uh, really interesting. Justin Merrim called up to the Iraqi national team for World Cup qualifiers. This will be a fantastic opportunity, I think, for Justin Merrim to uh, really prove himself with the national team. Um, they've got some fixtures coming up for the qualifiers against teams like Iran, uh, Lebanon, and United Arab Emirates, um, also Syria. I think those are some teams that Iraq can definitely beat. And Merrim's going to be one of the focal pieces to help this team do that. They also have to play South Korea, which is also a team in their division. So that'll be a bit of a tough game. But I think the other games are, are winnable for Iraq. And they have um, a decent chance to, to maybe try to qualify for the World Cup here. Yeah, and Merrim's had his opportunities with the national team before. I think he had to decline a call-up for COVID protocols or just travel restrictions or something like that. So it's good to see him back in the fold there. And he should only miss, by my calculations, one match against Dallas, uh, home on Saturday, September 4th. So, you know, an opportunity for a guy like Anderson Julio or perhaps Michael Chang. Uh, and Justin Merrim gets some more, you know, international experience. Yeah, and you know, that, that's, that's an interesting point you bring up. Um, I feel like us as fans and, uh, you know, us as well as media have just been crying for some of these younger guys to get some more playing time. And I think finally now with uh, guys like McMath getting an injury, with Merrim going out in the national team duty, I think there's going to be, like you said, great opportunity for guys like Anderson Julio. Uh, we know Menendez has been solidified as a starter lately, so he'll be getting possibly some more playing time as well. But it allows opportunity for other guys to get in. Maybe your guy, Noah Powder, to come into the game, maybe play Hopefully. like left back, left mid maybe or something. I don't know. We can see something we, we weird can hope, from this we can week. Hope. One yeah. thing that I, you know, I hope to see going forward, and I don't want to get ahead of our coaching conversation, but you did mention that because of injuries, we might then see young guys. And I hate that correlation and causation because i want to see young guys regardless yeah you know what i mean i want to see these guys given a chance regardless but you know hopefully a new coach will have an opportunity to do that and institute those kind of changes uh but yeah with justin merrim gone hopefully we see a guy you know deeper on the depth chart like anderson julio come on and actually have an opportunity to earn that starting spot and really keep it yeah yeah i totally agree it'll be really interesting to see and uh be fun for the game this week against the white caps and absolutely um, you mentioned the dallas game that'll be interesting as well so we'll see there um on another side note as well, kind of related to, I guess you could call it Monarchs news, but it's more Real Salt Lake news than anything else. Douglas Martinez, who has kind of been in and out of the squad for Real Salt Lake uh, last several months, he is going to be loaned out to the San Diego Loyal in the USL Championship for the remainder of the year. How are you feeling about this piece of news? I'm 
excited about it. You know, I think Douglas <laughs> Martinez, he's one of those guys kind of, you know, middle 20s. You don't really know how much development is left in his game. And he's going to a really good opportunity. He's actually, you know, kind of replacing Rubio Rubin to an extent. He's going to go play for Landon Donovan, San Diego Loyal, uh, where Rubin came from. And I think it's going to be a good opportunity for him. He does really, really well at the USL level. I think he kind of peaked in his first team performances. I don't really know that he ever really made, I mean, we brought in two center forwards after his one season at starting, you know, number nine. So I think that is kind of an indictment on how he played, but I'm excited for him. You know, he's a good guy. He's a Monarchs guy, came up through the, you know, came up through the system and I'm just happy to see him land in a good spot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you. A lot of people really love Douglas Martinez just because of some of the work he did. Like you said, early on when he came in, he was very effective, but as of late kind of has, you know, just kind of stopped producing a ton. And I think that you talked about kind of Rubio Rubin, how we've, we've had him. We've also got Bobby Wood at the same position. There's just so much depth of that position, a lot of competition. I think Douglas Martinez himself kind of noticed, you know, there's not going to be a lot of playing time for me in this team. Now he's going to go to the San Diego Loyal where he gets a lot of playing time. And, you know, it's possible we maybe even end up selling the guy somewhere else at the end of the season. That'll be interesting to see. But um, just good vibes for Martinez. Uh, another opportunity for him to go to the loyal, like you mentioned, play under Landon Donovan, a guy who knows a lot, obviously, about soccer and gets to play with his former teammate, Jack Blake, who used to play with the Monarchs as well. So that should be plenty of fun for Douglas Martinez. Yeah, and I'm not sh- I, I'm pretty certain that his contract ends at the end of this year. So I would imagine this loan. I don't know that we'll get an opportunity to sell him exactly. Um, so I would imagine that this is kind of his farewell to the team. Yep. Yep, probably it for, for Dougie. So, But yeah, but, other than that, in the last little bit of team news, we have Demir Krylock in the MLS All-Star game. I'm, I'm so happy about this one. I love it. <laughs> I know. I, it was, I know. Just, the whole entire week, you saw like Krylock. I, we, we got to interview him and talk to him, and he was just so happy. He was The guy was just glowing every second. Like You could tell how much this opportunity meant to the guy. And then like during the game, just he, he played very well. He had some opportunities, had an, an Almost a chance to get an assist, um, but didn't quite. The, the striker didn't quite finish. I think it was uh, Ricardo Pepe. But um, hey, you know what? We we go into to penalties, and guess who gets called up to uh, to take the penalty? It's Demir Krylock, and uh, what an opportunity for him! And he finishes, and you know, just all around, I think amazing opportunity experience for for Demir. Yeah, not only that, you know, netting his penalty and creating that chance for Pepe, but he also got the captain's armband. I don't know yep. if this, uh, if you noticed that, but yeah, he got the armband. He then passed it on to Nani when he came on, but kind of an awesome nod of approval to guys, you know, from RSL, we kind of feel slighted very often in our small market. So it was really, really cool to see Domi get that captain's armband from Rob, from Bob Bradley, excuse me, and to be able to play as well as he did. And he absolutely stone cold took that penalty kick. And I'm so glad he made it. And I was just really glad that beat Liga MX All-Stars. I think that was an awesome <laughs> format. I enjoyed, you know, some of the ones we've had in the past, East-West playing the big European teams. But Liga MX, this was the first time the game actually felt a little bit competitive. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was so much fun. It was way fun to, I mean, just to see, I mean, you know, you've got two different leagues and just forming the best of the best going against each other. I, I totally agree. I think that was a lot of fun uh, to see guys like Rogelio Funes Mori, um, to see guys like, you know, Guzman, the goalkeeper. And I mean, I don't know if you saw the, the skills challenge where uh, he picked up a, a questionable injury in the middle of one of the competitions. <laughs> yes, but I, I did see that, <laughs> that which, was was which was hilarious, which was hilarious, by the way. I yeah. absolutely love that <laughs> gamesmanship. 
CONCACAF you know, flavor in the MLS All-Star weekend. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I think my favorite part of that that segment right there was where when Andre Blake came up to him and gave him a, a gave him second red yellow card. red card. Yeah, yeah. yep, yeah, that, that was, was funny. Awesome. So yeah, but just I mean, I, I love the skills challenge. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was a really good All Star weekend. I thought it gained a lot of notoriety nationwide. I think a lot of people were tuning in, watching, and paying attention. And so I think, like you mentioned, for Crylock getting the captain's armband, that's really good for him. It's good for our RSL. So um, you know, just good vibes all around for the All Star game. Yeah, and we saw former RSL Academy player Noah Beck in the stands. I don't, I don't, I'm not on TikTok, so I really don't even know who he is. All I know is that he's famous and he used to play at the academy. So if you're into that sort of thing, he was there. Yeah, yeah, that that too. Um, but let's go ahead and jump on into yeah. the moment that you yeah. have all been waiting for. The big news this week coming out of just absolutely nowhere. Uh, within a total of 48 hours, uh, head coach Freddy Juarez leaves the team, Real Salt Lake, and um, all of a sudden, Pablo Mastroni in as the new head coach, interim head coach, I should say. And then just moments after that happens, it's announced that Freddy is going to the Seattle Sounders to be an assistant coach under Brian Schmetzer, the head coach for the Sounders. Wow, Alex, explain to me, what is happening in this world? Okay, a lot to unpack. First things first, I think the most important part of this press release is that Freddie Juarez was not fired. Freddie Juarez, from everything we've been able to gather and from the press release from the club and from comments from Elliot, is that, I mean, you can you can decide for yourself if you think Freddie thought his seat was hot and he was on the way out regardless. But Freddie chose to leave the team and then move to the Seattle Sounders where, if you know, you've been keeping track over the years, Garth Lagerway, former RSL general manager, is now you know, the head guy in charge over there. Uh, Craig Weibel is now the technical director, former RSL general manager. Uh, and so he has he's working for guys that he absolutely trusts and guys that, you know, pretty obviously recruited him to the team. So I think it's it's really an interesting dilemma we've created for ourselves because so many fans were calling for Freddie to be fired. Now the moment's actually happened. And I don't know that we really know where to go from here. You know, Elliot said that it happened over the last 48 hours. And I'm not a pro sports executive, but 48 hours is not a whole lot of time to game plan your strategy for the remainder of the season in which you're just barely above the playoff line. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And you talked about how he wasn't fired. You know, he had actually had a conversation with the players from what it seems like and, um, you know, let the players know what was going on. There were no hard feelings. Um, they, they seemed to be all okay with each other. So I guess that's at least good. But, um, yeah, just a really strange move. Um, like, Real Salt Lake right now, we're in the middle of the playoff race. Like, we're still in this. We can absolutely get a playoff spot this year. Um, I, I think it needs to be I brought don't, up. I don't know either. I don't really know what to think about it because it really is like we were, you know, as a fan base, kind of a dog chasing the mailman trying to get Freddie out of here. And then as soon as it happens, it's like, oh, but not yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because now we've got this ownership conundrum where if the if the front office goes out and hires somebody – perhaps ownership doesn't approve of that guy or like that guy. And then he gets fired two months later when new ownership comes in. You know, obviously I think we would be naive to think that ownership doesn't have, or, you know, potential ownership groups rather does not have, do not have somewhat of a say in things that are happening right now with the club, but we don't know that we don't know that, you know, a front office group, you know, coming in new ownership doesn't have something to say about who we would be hiring. We right. might be totally in the dark. We don't know how many groups there are, if there still are any interested groups. 
So I think it leaves the club in a really, really tricky position where all you can really do is wait out the storm. So I think we'll see Pablo for quite a while. I actually personally think Pablo's a good option for RSL. He's a very, as Freddie said when he brought him in, he's a great man manager. He's a great motivator for a team barely above the playoff line. And Pablo's already come out and said he's really not going to change all that much. I think that's kind of sort of what we actually need. Um, so it's it's going to be definitely interesting to see how the stretch run goes down for RSL. Yeah, Tom ha- Tom Hackett talked about how Pablo is really a, a people person and he really connects with his players. And like that's something that's really important that you need to have with your players, especially in this, this weird, crazy situation that we're in right now. I think that's going to be a really good opportunity for Pablo show his stuff, connect with the players, and be able to lead us to a playoff run. And I mean, who knows how far our team can go this year. That will also be interesting to see. But you know, I do kind of have a theory on, uh, you talked about like, you know, the, the management situation and how someone may be buying the team this year. We don't I'm know. All here I'm, sure about that, I'm all but, here for theories. Hey, you know, I mean, my, I, th- I think like the strongest theory that we can think of, probably the one that, that holds, I, I guess, the most, I, I can't necessarily say evidence, but Something that we can maybe see tangibly is, I think you, 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 you would even called it last week. You know, you said, hey, Freddie might be on the hot seats when you kind of start blaming officials. It's very possible that Freddie Juarez kind of feels that, you know, when new ownership comes on in, I'm the first guy out of here. And mm-hmm. with that with that kind of thinking process, I don't blame the guy for looking around for other options. I mean, it's I, we haven't necessarily gotten into how much he's going to be making as an assistant coach. It's possible he could be getting paid more as an assistant coach than the head coach for Yasuo Would Lake. not surprise me. Would not surprise me. Yeah, team with Seattle, it's it's very possible. I think that, you know, he finds himself in a good situation with a team like Seattle, who's like the top of the standings right now, primed to, to make a run deep in the playoffs this year. Um, you know, it's you're going to Seattle. Uh, like, you know what? All around good move for Freddie. I think that, that <laughs> I think that he could read between the lines and see that, there was maybe an unsure future coming. He thought, you know, let me bag the surety. Let me take this move. I'm going to come over here, possibly make some more money. And you know what? Maybe a better situation for me going forward. Um, I'm not sure if we'll see this guy coaching as a head coach in the future, but uh, we shall see. First of all, it is absolute New England revolution erasure to say that uh, the Seattle Sounders are top of the standings. But yes, I totally agree with you. And I made this point on socials, on Twitter specifically, follow me at Alex Maurer, um, that Freddie... This is an opportunity you can't turn down if you're Freddie Juarez. If yeah. if you're looking forward to the future and you want another head coaching job in major league soccer or otherwhere or otherwise, I think you have a better opportunity at securing that as an assistant coach working under Brian Schmetzer than you do in Salt Lake in a small market with a team floundering above the playoff line with more responsibility. I mean, just look at whose job he's taking. He's filling in for Gonzalo Pineda that just went to Atlanta United as head coach from Seattle Sounder assistant. So Mm -hmm. he's going to have opportunities and he's going to have an easier time. You know, we've always been told that Freddie Juarez is a tactical genius. We question that when we don't see subs very often, we don't see in-game management, we don't see tactical switches, but now it's really not on him to show it. So I think he can kind of claim it a little bit easier in Seattle that he is this tactical genius um, which, you know, I've been, I'm beating that praise to death, but I think he's, I think he's a good coach. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I, uh, it's maybe another podcast to dive into what I actually think about his coaching, but I don't think he's a terrible coach. And I do yeah. think he will actually suit this role very well. It's just so frustrating that it's with Seattle. It's so yeah. unbelievably frustrating to see 
all these RSL guys. Like if Andy Williams moves to Seattle, I'm going to freak out because he's going to be, he's <laughs> going to be incredible. He's yep. going to, you know, a lot of the guys that ended up there, he says he scouted like a Ruby Diaz, like a Roman Torres. So it's just like, I, I want to be happy for Freddie. There's an opportunity you can't turn down, you know, selfishly Freddie's been nice to us in post-game interviews and with his time. And, you know, I just appreciate that, but it is, just so unbelievably frustrating to see the rich get richer. Yeah. And you know, you say mostly nice, but uh, I will bring up there were a couple of times <laughs> in a couple press conferences as well, where he did get a little fiery and a little angry. And I think one of those times was after a loss, which is like totally warranted. But I mean, there have been some times this year where we've asked him a couple of questions that have really, really triggered him, made him a little angry. Um, <laughs> that, that was, you know what, that might've been, uh, that's another one of my little theories about this is like, maybe just the frustration just built up. And I think that may have kind of contributed to it. Just not only the frustration with, I mean, the, the substitution thing. I mean, there were a lot of fans out there. And I, I kind of get this as a general census. There were a lot of fans out there wanting Freddie to, to make substitutions earlier, just to, I mean, even to be fired. And now we're at this point where he has been fired. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, uh, I mean, maybe it's not the best decision. We kind of like him. He was doing better. Like, maybe we want him back. But... I mean, yeah, like you said, this is going to be interesting to see for Real Salt Lake. Good move for Seattle and Freddie. Um, but I think that <laughs> I think that now he's gone. Some of the fans are wishing that he hadn't left. And um, that I mean, it's definitely I, possible. I, that's just that's just kind of the consensus I get. Obviously, it's going to be interesting to see how Pablo takes his team and what direction they go into. But um, yeah, I, one, one thing I'm interested in hearing from you is if you look at RSL's roster and you look at our current standings in the Western conference. I know we lost points in really brutal fashion. We lost a lot at home, a lot late in games, but I do think if for as hard of a time as we gave Freddie on this show and, you know, fans in general, I don't think this team is really that much better than where they currently sit. Every pundit in the world had us as close to the bottom, if not at the bottom as we could get in the Western conference before the season started. And now we're sitting not comfortably in a playoff spot, but we are sitting in a playoff spot. As for as much flack as Freddie has taken, I think he actually did a pretty decent job with this roster. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, right? I mean, yeah, I feel no, he, like yeah. he's, he's taken so much heat this year, but I don't actually think he's done that poor of a job. Yeah. No, beginning of the season, like you said, yeah, we were projected to be one of the worst teams in the West, and now we're, we're right in the race. Um, so props to Freddie for doing what he did with the team this year. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm thankful for what, what he has done. I mean, it was, you know, just a hard head coach situation. I would say even after Jason Christ left, it's really kind of been a dumpster fire since then with our head coaching. Just yeah, and it's important to remember the circumstances that Freddie came in under. You know, yeah. it's that Mike mm-hmm. Petkey fiasco. He was yeah. not, you know, given the keys to the castle for six months, I believe, after his first, you know, kind of stint as head coach. Mm-hmm. So his kind of whole time here has been tenuous at best. I don't think he ever really won over the fans. I don't necessarily know that he ever earned that right. Yeah. But it is, it is interesting to see where the club is going to go from here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, there's a lot of unsurety. We'll see how it turns out. But, I mean, we'll keep you updated and let you know everything that's happening with the head coaching situation, with the team situation going forward. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting who to do see you think, who do you think the club's going to Who do you think the club's going to pursue? I think fans <sighs> have said a lot of uh, Javier Morales, you know, Kyle Beckerman's head coaching just down the street at UVU. Jason Kreiss is available seeing as he's not going, you know, he didn't make it to the Olympics. <laughs> so his job there is done. 
Yeah, those are I, all I, uh, very live options. Thomas and Alave is doing well with the Monarchs. Alave. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities for the club to make a fan base <laughs> signing. Perhaps you know what I mean, like yeah. a little a little fan service. But I don't yeah. necessarily know that that's actually going to be best for the club. It's really really hard to have this conversation without details on ownership. Yeah, because I, I truly the- don't know. You know, if Pablo's named the inter, well, you know, he has been named the interim. Right. He could be that. He could have that title for the remainder of the year. I mean, Don Garber has always said that we're trying to sell this team by the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, Pablo's got, you know, a few months and half a season to earn himself a playoff spot. Yeah, because I don't know. Yeah. What, I don't know what the club can even do financially. How much they can even offer to a a new coach? It's just so many questions that are really interesting. One thing that I, that I am curious about the front office. This is a quote from the athletic article that Sam Stasco wrote after the news broke. Mm-hmm. And it's a quote from Elliot Fall. He says, there was no conversation throughout the year about Freddie's future with the club beyond this year. And that was like a huge red flag for me Yeah, to see that your general manager hadn't even discussed your current head coach's contract situation is probably a reason that he was chomping at the bit to get out of here and got on the first plane to Seattle that he could secure. Yep. This, if you've been following the Andy Williams drama, you know that there's, you know, combative heads in the front <laughs> office and Elliot Fall might be one of those. Yeah. I don't know that to be true personally. I've never spoken to Elliot Fall. Right. But it is, it, it's just such a weird... I think Spence Checkett, Spence Checkett's mentioned it a lot on his podcast is if you have a head coach you like, you don't ever let him get into the final year of his contract. Right. And not to say that RSL as a whole loved Freddie Juarez, but it, to not even have a conversation, yeah. it's just, it's just such a strange management perspective to not be certain about what's, ha- what's happening. And that is when you are forced to make decisions in 48 hours. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah, Freddie panicked and he's gone. And don't really blame the guy, to be honest. Um, and and I just I just him. don't know where we go from here and what the front office can offer to a new guy. I would personally, I like Javier coming in and being the head coach. I think he's got you know academy experience. I think he's worked at a big club like Inter Miami, big in quotes because <laughs> I mean they're one of the worst teams in MLS and they had five designated players last year. Right. Yeah. But I digress. I think. I think they're all good options, but I just I don't know what I want to see until there's new ownership. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of get the vibe that Javi hates Utah a little bit, but I mean, if that's not <laughs> the case, I, 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 would love, lo- I would love to have Javi. Um, I think that Christ would be the best option if we can like end up affording the guy somehow. Um, I mean, you're going to come mean, cheap, yeah, that's did. for sure. But I mean, it was only, man, time flies, but I think it was a year or two ago where he was in discussions for the head coaching role. I believe it was after Petke left. And he was offered head coach and GM, or I guess that's what he wanted, but they were worried he would have too much power. And I think they're kind of right to believe that. I think this fan base has a soft spot, obviously, for Jason Christ. Yeah. I don't know that I trust his coaching anymore. I also don't know that this roster, it definitely doesn't suit the diamond. I don't right. know that mm-hmm. he's that inflexible that he couldn't find out something else to work with. But I, I, I hesitate a little bit on Jason Christ because – if he comes in, he's going to have a lot longer leash than anybody else. He's not really proven to be an MLS caliber head coach, not proven to be a great youth coach with the Olympic team. 
I wouldn't mind seeing the club go in a different direction, perhaps with a Javi, perhaps with an Olave. But I don't want to see a guy get hired and then immediately fired by new ownership. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah we can we can sit here speculate, bring up theories all we want, but at the end of the day, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens, and we don't fully know for sure. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's all contingent on ownership, I think, and I would yep. love love someone to break some news on that, but yep. unfortunately, we don't have that here. Yeah, we'll find out at some point. But before we uh, leave you all tonight, we're going to look at the next game that Real Salt Lake plays with a team against a team. And Vancouver Whitecaps, who also just had their head coach fired. So I guess it's the clash of games between the, the head coaches fired teams. I, I don't know, but this that's be... one word. That's <laughs> all one word. <laughs> that, that, that was one word. It's hyphenated out. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah. <laughs> but the Whitecaps are at the bottom of the standings. This could be a trap game, but I think that this is a game that Real Salt Lake should win. It's away in Vancouver. Um, no Demir Krylock because of the yellow card accumulation. He'll be suspended for this one. So, um, you know, young guy time. You love the phrase trap game. You love the phrase trap game. (laughs) This should not be a trap game. We should win this game. Yes. Vancouver is floundering. Yes, they've been better since, but they just lost in the Canadian Championship. They're back home for, you know, what seems like the first time in a very, very, very long time. I don't think this is their first game back at BC Place, but, you know, they've had a long season. We should win this game. I, I, even with a new interim head coach, if we need to go out there and get those points, because we are just hovering above the playoff line. And if we could win this, we could make a little bit of separation. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It'll be a really interesting game. And I'm excited to see what Pablo does with the starting lineup in this game. Um, we might have a chance to talk to him after the game as well. And we'll bring you the news uh, on him and kind of what he says regarding the team and how he's seeing the team play out throughout this game. It'll be really interesting to see, but don't make sure you don't miss the game. It'll be at 8 PM Sunday night, mountain daylight time. Um, but yeah, really interesting. Yeah, game. And just speaking, and, yeah. just speaking about post game comments from Pablo. If anybody listening has a question they would like us to ask, just shoot it to us on Twitter. Yep, let we us get know. the opportunity to kind of ask you know a couple questions when there's not too many people in there. So if you got something you want to know, let us know. Yep, uh, he is Alex Mauer. What is your uh, your your Twitter name again? Uh, just at Alex Mauer. A L E X M O W E R. Perfect. And I am at Ethan Kershaw nine. Just go ahead and follow us on Twitter. We're here for you guys. Uh, yeah. Let us know questions you have that you want <laughs> us are. to ask really and anything you want us to break. We'll let you know we're, we're here for you guys and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep on doing the work, but thank you everybody for tuning in this week on the hive hive sports podcast covering Real Salt Lake. Thank you all for your time and we will talk to y'all later. See ya. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school. So check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.